The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Yes, we are getting down to the final days of February. March 1st is coming up. It'll be on Friday, which is just wild to think that we're almost two months in to the 2024 year. But man, so much to get to on the show today. Hope you're doing well. Thanks so much for being here. Looking forward to a really great show on this Tuesday afternoon. And look, lots of basketball that we need to get to, results from over the weekend, standings from uh, after this weekend, and where we stand going into some big games tonight, even bigger games tomorrow around the SEC and in college basketball. Got a little baseball to talk about with the Tigers back in action tonight hosting Sanford. Uh, may want to stay tuned for that conversation for a little giveaway. And then we're going to have some Bruce Pearl audio from his press conference today. Also, it is Tuesday, which means Double D. Daryl Daprich will be with us in the second hour on the phone lines. He'll be calling in and with us for 30 minutes in that second hour like he has been the last many, many Tuesdays. And we're just so thankful for him and always a good time talking with Daryl Daprich. But until that point, phone lines are open all of our number one. We want to get your thoughts on this and uh, on everything going on around the world of sports. 334-321-1390. I'm your man Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. So you can give me a call if you want to talk about basketball, Auburn basketball, SEC basketball, college, anything on your mind, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We talked a lot yesterday about Auburn and Georgia and how Auburn went on the road and got a big win on the road against a a, a feisty Georgia team, a, a, just a stingy Georgia team. They're really good. Their record doesn't show it, but Auburn went on the road and got a win. They did something that not many teams in college basketball have done this year. You know the saying. You know, I've been I've been I've been preaching this and, and shoving it down your throat. Auburn is a ranked team that went on the road in conference play to an unranked team and they got to win those teams are losing at an historic rate right now in college basketball so I don't really care what you think about Georgia or what anybody thinks about how good or bad mediocre whatever Georgia is Auburn got a good win on Saturday in Athens but you start looking outside of that game and what happened around the SEC some really interesting results and you get an updated current standings in the SEC which we're going to get to in just a second Tennessee after what was a pretty close first half with Texas A&M that game was played in Knoxville the Vols rolled after that 86 to 51 how about South Carolina 
as a ranked team on the road to an unranked team, went on the road to Oxford and got a win, 72-59. to And Uncle T-Bone believes that uh, Ole Miss is done. They are what he would call a toaster strudel. They're done. They're out. And uh, some sub-racketologists have Ole Miss still there. They have Ole Miss still alive right there on that bubble. Um, look, I think Ole Miss is a good team. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're bad. I think they're just a, a solid team. Um, they're somebody that if I was outside of the SEC and I saw them as my first round NCAA tournament matchup, I would not be happy. I would be worried about having to play Ole Miss in the first round of the NCAA tournament, but they're not going to make a super deep run, and it may take a run in the SEC tournament for them to get into the big dance of the NCAA tournament, but South Carolina got a much-needed win. They're hanging on right there with Auburn, uh, right around the top four of the SEC right now, and they remain in the top 20 of the top 25. Florida handled business against Vanderbilt at home. Arkansas got a win over Missouri at home. Missouri is still winless in the SEC. Something we have not seen in a long time. And I don't think I saw this coming with Missouri. Now, did I think they were going to be good? No. Did I think they were going to be great? No. But I didn't think they were going to be winless in the SEC. And... With four games to go, two of those games being top 25 teams, it's not looking pretty for for uh, for Missouri. It's not looking pretty. They're at number 24, Florida. That's tomorrow night. They host Ole Miss over the weekend. Then they host Auburn next week. And then they go to LSU for the final game of the season. There's a pretty good chance that Missouri ends the year winless in the SEC, the last team to do that was Vanderbilt. So, yeah, take that into perspective for a little bit. So Missouri is just the absolute bottom feeder of the SEC. And then Mississippi State, a team that has been up and down, a team that has some really good wins over your Auburn Tigers, and a team that also has a couple of Good losses, and I I hate using that term. Excuse me, I hate using that term because a loss is a loss. I don't care if you lost to the number one team in the country. I don't care if you lost on the road. I don't care if you lost in quadruple overtime on a buzzer beater from half court. A loss is a loss. But you start looking at the teams that have beaten Mississippi State, a team that's currently on a five-game winning streak, just so you know, now, they've played all the bottom half teams in the SEC, but they're still on a five-game winning streak. They've lost to South Carolina on the road, Alabama at home by single digits, at Kentucky, at Florida, at Ole Miss, at Alabama. The only game they've lost at home was the Alabama game. They've beaten everybody else that's walked into their building, that's walked into the hump. And that's something you have to give a lot of credit for and they've hung in all those losses besides the one at Alabama a few weeks ago where the Crimson Tide did what they do inside of that building and they put up almost 100 points but since then as I mentioned Mississippi State's on a five-game winning streak they've played Missouri Arkansas Ole Miss LSU and Georgia now their test really comes with Kentucky tonight at home inside the hump then they come to Auburn this weekend on Saturday afternoon 
They go to Texas A&M next week in the midweek, and then they host number 18 South Carolina. So the last four games for the Dogs, 16, 11, and 18, are the rankings of three of the last four opponents for Mississippi State. A team that I think is a tournament team. A team that I think deserves to be in the postseason. A team that I think has played well enough to deserve a postseason bid. They have a winning record in the SEC. They're almost a 20-win team. I think they can probably get that with a win over A&M. That's a team that I think deserves to be in the NCAA tournament. And they got a win over LSU this past weekend, 87-67. to But the big game over the weekend, and Uncle T-Bone and I got into this game a little bit yesterday, was Kentucky and Alabama. A game we knew was going to be high scoring. We knew was going to be high scoring for two reasons. Because those are two top five offenses in all of college basketball. And they're two of the worst defenses in all of college basketball. Those two don't mix very well when you're looking for low-scoring defensive type of games. And Kentucky wins 117-95. to And it really came down to, we got into this a little bit yesterday, it really did, in my opinion, come down to Kentucky just made more shots. And they made more threes. And I know a lot of you may be thinking, well, duh, Jacob, of course the team that won made more shots. Yes, but they made more bigger shots. They made more of the better shots. They made more threes. They beat Alabama at their own game. Alabama went on the road and scored 95 points in the SEC. I know a lot of those were garbage time points, but still. You put up 95 points on the road in the SEC. You should win that game 100 times out of 100. But the Alabama defense is not good. They can be, and they pick and choose when they want to be. And I think they were good in that first half against Kentucky. I really do. But the Cats were making shots, man. The Cats were making everything that they put up. They were running on Alabama. They beat them at their own game. They run and gun. That's what they did. They ran, they shot, and they made it. And Kentucky put up 117 points in a 40-minute college basketball game. That's absurd. That's unheard of. And it sparks this idea and this question, something that the NBA is going a lot through right now with teams dropping 140, 150 points consistently every single night. Is this where the game is now trending? Is college basketball a sport that's primarily been played over the last decade or two. It's been played in the 60s and 80s, right? In between 60 points and 80 points. That's pretty much where it lives, on average. Is it trending towards what the NBA saw a few years ago in the massive jump that the National Basketball Association went through? Because if you remember, the NBA was playing games in the high 90s, that you would have teams break 100, and you'd think, wow, that was a really good offensive performance. And then there was a window of years where teams started flirting with 110, 115. They'd go off and go for 120. And we were thinking, wow, the Warriors are really good when they knock down all those threes. And if a team scored 120 points in the NBA, you were doing something serious. And now look, If you don't hit 120 points in the NBA, it was a bad night offensively. If you don't break 100, 
you're probably running sprints. But look at this game in college basketball, 117 to 95. That's an old, I told this to to Uncle T-Bone yesterday. That's an old school NBA score. That's an NBA type score. And I'm curious on if this is where college basketball is headed. Because those are two elite college basketball programs in Kentucky and Alabama this season. But those are also two teams that over time have played pretty good defense. But they've just pushed into offense this year. Both of those coaches, John Calipari and Nate Oates, they both understand that their two teams are built on one thing and one thing only. They're going to score. And they're going to see if you can keep up. And guess what? Most teams can't. Now, when you're on, you're on. And Alabama and Nate Oates have, have subscribed to that line of thinking for years, ever since he got there. Except they did it from behind the three-point line and they were going to shoot 43s a game, and if they made them, they were going to beat you, and if they missed, they were going to lose. But it didn't seem like that was the case 100% on Saturday for Kentucky. Yeah, they shot a lot of threes, and they made a lot of threes. But they also took it to the basket, got fouled, got to the free throw line, made some tough 15, 18-foot jumpers, and they flat out could score the rock. And that's dangerous, man. Those are two dangerous teams when the March comes around. You know that. We all know that. And we also know that Auburn has the potential to be that when they're at their highest. We've seen Auburn hit triple digits this year. We've seen Auburn hit in the 90s numerous times. And we've seen Auburn get hot from behind the arc numerous times. But these two teams, Kentucky and Alabama on Saturday, They said, to heck with playing defense. We know we're not good at that. Let's have a track meet and see who comes out uh, on top at the end. And it was Kentucky with a 117-95 to win. And you look at the current SEC standings going into some big games tonight and even bigger games tomorrow. You look at the current SEC standings after a busy weekend and getting down to the final four or five games of the regular season. Alabama and Tennessee are now tied thanks to Alabama losing and Tennessee continuing to win. Tennessee and Alabama are both 11-3 and overall in the conference. Their overall overall record, Tennessee 21-6, and and Alabama 19-8. and You have Auburn and South Carolina, who then followed back behind them at one game back. Auburn and South Carolina both 10-4 and in the conference. Auburn 21 and 6, Alabama, or excuse me, South Carolina 22 and 5. But Auburn has the tiebreaker over South Carolina. Auburn and Alabama are tied. There's no tiebreaker there. And this Alabama team has played Tennessee once, and they'll play them again. They lost the first time. So Tennessee currently is the number one team in the conference because of the tiebreaker over Alabama, which makes the game tomorrow night for Auburn and Tennessee that much bigger. Because those two teams play one time. They play once. And this very well could be for the SEC tomorrow night in Knoxville. If things go the way they could go, this could be for the SEC tomorrow night. Because Alabama plays at Ole Miss, hosting Tennessee, at Florida, and hosting Arkansas. There's another loss in there somewhere. I'd be willing to bet. Out of Ole Miss on the road, Tennessee at home, and Florida on the road, Alabama will lose one of those games. Which means if Auburn can beat Tennessee, 
They've got a good shot to win the SEC. That is what is at stake here right now, tomorrow night in Knoxville. And later on in this hour, we'll have Bruce Pearl talk about that from his press conference earlier today. Updates on Jalen Williams, status on the team as they head to Knoxville on Wednesday. That is tomorrow. We'll have that for you later on in the show, but we'll take our first break. Here in hour number one, we'll talk a little baseball when we come back as Auburn baseball had a good weekend down in Jacksonville, even though there was some crazy weather. Home against Sanford tonight and another big weekend on the plains with weather in the forecast. We'll have all that for you coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. We'd love to get your thoughts on anything going on in the world of sports. 334-321-1390. And want to talk a little baseball here for for Auburn as they went down to to, uh, Jacksonville last weekend. And man, let me say this. The weather was... I mean, just a disaster to get that thing started on Friday. I mean, they were trying to play Iowa. The game before them between Wichita State and Virginia, it got delayed. Then it went to extras. I mean, look, I felt bad for uh, for Brad Law and um, and Jason Caldwell, who went down there, were on the call for the Auburn Sports Network, and, and bless them for, for dealing with that and handling that so professionally and, and eventually getting on the air on that Friday night and had game times moved around on them. I mean, it was it was a process down there uh, when you are playing playing down in the state of Florida. But on the baseball side of things, Auburn gets three or gets two out of three wins. They take down Iowa finally on that Friday night seven to five in game one over the number eighteenth ranked team in the country. They take down Wichita State nineteen to eight in the second game and a run rule in seven innings and then lose the Final game of the weekend against number 10 Virginia. Yeah, I know. The Cavaliers got us again. 6-4 to four was that final score. Tigers back at home tonight. They'll be back at Plainsman Park. 6 p.m. hosting Samford. These are those midweek games that we've talked about in the past and that Auburn struggles with at times, those in-state midweeks where you've got to take care of business, right? You've got to find these games where Teams like Sanford are going to pitch their best guy. They are going to go to their best dude because they want to come in and they want to beat Auburn. They want to beat a team like Auburn, a team like Alabama, on the road on a Tuesday night. That's what they want to do. And on the flip side, Auburn's not throwing their ace. Auburn's not throwing their weekend guys. Auburn's going to find a couple of guys that they can trust to play in these midweek games, which are important. I don't want that to be... I don't want that to be lost or forgotten. These are important games. And if you lose them, yeah, it says a lot about your team. And if you win them, you're not going to get a whole lot of love for it. But these are important games from a developmental perspective, if you will. And so this is where you rely on those non-weekend starters. You rely on your bullpen and you rely on your bats, I think, more than anything, to, to get you a win against a team like Sanford. Because after this, coming up this weekend, you have UConn coming in on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And not to be that guy, but 
if you pull up the if you pull up the weather forecast for what is supposed to be happening this weekend in Auburn, it's not very great. And um, there may be some movement there. I have no idea. I don't know what the case is going to be. I don't know what is going to happen there. Um, but it just seems like the uh, seems like the baseball season is sort of off to off to a little bit of a a rockier start on the weather side of things. I'm pulling up the weather right now on the on the 10-day forecast. Um, I'm trying to get it pulled up. There we go. And, you know, you look at it, supposed to rain tomorrow, supposed to rain Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's a, as of right now, it's a 96% chance to rain on Friday, 73% chance to rain on Saturday. That's not great odds, folks. I know a lot of us are not numbers people here, but uh, that's not that's not great odds. So we'll see what happens there. We will. We'll see what happens on the baseball side of things. But I did want to talk about that momentarily. And coming up in just a few minutes after our bottom of the hour break, we'll have Bruce Pearl audio uh, from his press conference today talking about all things Auburn basketball. And one of the things he talked about, and one of the things I want to get to quickly here, on the side of Auburn basketball, the update on Jalen Williams is the fact that he is traveling to Knoxville. He will be in attendance. And his likelihood of playing, I guess his status on whether he plays or not is still questionable. But he is going to be there. And Bruce Pearl talked about that this morning on the radio show up in Birmingham. Talked about it in his press conference. He has mentioned it a few times and and everybody knows that Jalen Williams is going to be traveling and at least thinking about playing tomorrow night in Knoxville. And I think that's smart. I think it's smart for him to travel. I think it's smart for him to go, and I think it's smart for him to try it out. But I'm not necessarily on the side of I think he should play. There's a lot of Auburn fans that think Jayla Williams should absolutely play tomorrow night. And I disagree. I disagree. I think Jayla Williams should not play. I think there's an argument to say he shouldn't play until the final game of the year, and even in that case, should be limited minutes. I know the injury is not significant. I know it's not nearly as bad as we were were thinking initially, which, thank God for that. But in my opinion, why risk it? Why risk re-injuring whatever he's got going on in there? Why risk re-injuring that injuring it even more, getting hurt in another way for something that at the end of the day doesn't really matter. And a lot of people disagree with that, and I think Bruce Pearl would probably disagree with that because it goes back to this conversation we've had for a while now of the SEC regular season championship versus the SEC tournament championship, but I'm not talking either one of those. I don't care about either one if Auburn is able to go and win a national championship. Don't you want to win that one more than anything? Isn't that the one that's the most important? And when I start looking at that, I look at it as I want my best players at their healthiest and playing their best when the NCAA tournament comes around. And I don't know if playing Jalen Williams tomorrow night is the best way to do that. He very well may be fine. He could be fine tomorrow night. And he may be the reason that Auburn could win tomorrow night. He could be the difference maker. Sure. He's been the difference maker before. And he very well could be that again. 
But where is he at mentally? Where is he truly at physically? But then what if? What if he gets hurt tomorrow? If he plays in a physical game against Tennessee, a team that's going to play Auburn harder than just about anybody because of the history there. What happens if Jalen's making a play and he tears that knee up and he's out for the year? Do you really want to play in Nashville without Jalen Williams? Do you really want to play in the NCAA tournament without Jalen Williams? I don't. And I'm willing to sacrifice the potential of losing tomorrow night against Tennessee to secure the 100% fact that he plays in the NCAA tournament. That's how I feel. Some people agree, some people disagree. But I think the NCAA tournament means a whole lot more than bragging rights over Tennessee and Rick Barnes and the chance to win an SEC regular season title. And I think if you play him tomorrow, I think you're risking all of that and you're putting that on the line inside of Thompson Bowling Arena. We'll have some more about that throughout today's show. Bruce Pearl coming up. We'll have his press conference from earlier today. And a reminder that Double D, Daryl Dapperidge, will be with us in hour number two. All that coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Appreciate you all being here. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, ESPN 1067. And we're about to get to Bruce Pearl's press conference from earlier today, uh, previewing the Auburn and Tennessee matchup going on tomorrow in Knoxville, Tennessee. But we were mentioning a little baseball there in that previous segment. And before we get to the presser, um, I know it is Tuesday, I know it's game day, but... We've got tickets to give away. I've got four tickets for Auburn baseball versus Sanford tonight. As we're playing audio, give us a call. First one, you got them, 334-321-1390. You can come by and pick them up today on your way home from work before you head out to the ballpark. Four tickets, Auburn baseball versus Sanford at Plainsman Park tonight, 6 o'clock first pitch. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. You'll get some tickets, and now we'll head to Bruce Pearl and his press conference from earlier today. With something that's um, uh, kind of kind of personal, uh, but also a little bit political. So uh, take our chances. Here we go. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday, February twenty eighth at nine thirty in the morning, it's uh, Advis- Advocacy Day to protect IVF. Uh, we will be in Tennessee playing for uh, the ability to still be in this race for a conference championship. So we would not be, we're not going to be there, but I'll tell you why we would have been there. Um, my son, Stephen, and my daughter-in-law, Brittany, um, courageously, in many ways, uh, have decided to make it known publicly that they've been involved with this uh, in vitro fertilization for a couple of years, trying to have children, trying to start a family. Um, it's been a very private matter. Uh, for all of our friends and family. Um, it's been, it's had its challenges. 
Um, but they've really worked their way through. And uh, um, they're very, very close to being able to, uh, um, for Brittany to get pregnant. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a difficult process. Um, but because of what's gone on with the Alabama Supreme Court, um, and, and what may be in, in some ways almost a reckless decision by failing to understand that IVF process, um, it's about people trying to start families and create life, not, not, not end it. Um, you know, I am a pro-life and pro-family and pro-child and I am a conservative Alabamian and I'd like to use my platform to call on all three branches of, the, of our state government and, uh, and encourage them to make Alabama the most pro-family, pro-child state in the nation, removing the obstacles that are now facing these couples that are going through the IVF process. Um, government is supposed to help us and our families not prevent my son and his wife from having their first child or, 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 or my grandchild. Um, so I just am calling on people that are listening to this or hearing this, call your state legislature, call your congressman or woman, and tell them that you support, if you support, this IVF. Um, and if you can, and you do, um, show up tomorrow, Wednesday, 9.30 on the steps of the Capitol and uh, uh, help your voices be heard. I don't think this is what the intent of the law was, so it's got to be fixed. Um, and if, if it doesn't, things take time in legislature, take time in government, take time in the courts. And you've got, you've got in the state of Alabama alone, hundreds of families that are on hold. And sometimes when it comes to this stuff, timing is everything. And so they're going to be denied the timing to be able to create life, not take it. Um, it's almost March and we're still playing for championships. Um, there just aren't many teams in the country that can say that, particularly in the league this good. There are six teams right now in our league that are within a game or two of first place. Um, and so every game now, uh, home or on the road, are, are, are precious. Uh, Tennessee, I think, has been, I've been saying all along, I think they're the best team in the league. Um, and I haven't played them yet. So we're fixing to find out. Um, their experience, so well coached. They've got great guard play. They're dangerous from three. Um, they got guys that can really protect the rim. And um, um, they, uh, they're they one of the best defensive teams in the country. You know, last I think we went up there last year and it was a 46-43 rock fight. Um, um, Our defense has been good. Um, 
it'll have to be at its very best, and it'd be uh, it'd be great if we could keep making shots, which is what it takes at the end of the year to get hot and win. Yeah, when it comes to somebody like Connect, I mean, where do you sort of start with that with that defensive game plan for him? And I guess what have you kind of seen from him this season? Yeah, I mean, look, he's going to get his. You just don't want him to go off, um, you know, understanding their personnel and their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, you know, people have got him as high as top five in a draft board for next year, right? Um, you know, what a great story he is. Um, so he could, you know, can do it all, both ends of the floor. Um, presents a real matchup problem because he he's one of the biggest guards our guards will face, and he's one of the most skilled forwards our forwards will face. Um, but I do think one of the keys to playing Tennessee is it's 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 uh, um, they've got so many weapons, like anybody and everybody that play. They got so many dimensions. They got three great defensive guards. Three or four great defensive guards, and some of the guards coming off the bench are great defensive guards. They got five or six great three-point shooters, so it's not just taking away Ziegler, or Viscovi, or you know Josiah James, or about six guys you got to worry about. So uh, they're good in transition. They play fast. So our guys will have to know all their personnel and be able to uh, guard accordingly. Bruce, I was wondering if you had an update you could share on, on Jalen and, and kind of his, his recovery. Yep, Jalen will travel. Um, and while he was not available for Georgia, um, it's possible he could play uh, tomorrow. We'll see how he does today. Um, he moved around a lot. He moved around a lot yesterday more than we thought he would. And so that may just be a game time decision. I guess going back to Aiden. On Saturday, other than his, you know, he made obviously the five threes, which you, you know talked about his confidence. But in terms of how he's been running the offense and, and how he did in that game, and I guess moving forward, what did you kind of see with him on the floor and how they did? I thought, I thought Aiden did great, and I thought that uh, he showed how tough he is. Um, every shot he took against Georgia, I thought he was going to make, but every shot he took against Kentucky, I thought he was going to make too, and games before. And to his credit. Um, he hasn't shied away from the moment, uh, and he shouldn't shy away from the moment. He's a great player, uh, one of our hardest workers, um, and he's, you know, one of the youngest players in, in college basketball at the power five level that is able to have the kind of impact that he is able to have uh, on our team. Um, you know, he's worked really hard to improve in the areas of his defense and his rebounding and the physicality of the game. And, and look, that's going to be challenged – at Tennessee, as much as anything, these these older, more experienced guards are going to be all up in him, and uh, and they'll impact his ball screen. And so they'll, I guarantee you, Tennessee will be paying close attention to the Georgia film, and uh, make his looks difficult. But I'm very, really, really proud of him for, for um, staying, fighting through it. And of course, he knows his teammates and his coaches never stop believing in him. Bruce, obviously with, with Chad moving into the starting lineup against Georgia, Jalen's out. Your bench now looks different, but your starting lineup with Chad in there look, looked pretty good. How do you sort of, I guess, look at it or weigh 
maybe the bench doesn't produce 35 points a game, but you might get off to better starts. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it for sure. That uh, you know, Chad Baker's clearly one of our top three players, and uh, and he was the best player on the floor against Georgia. But he's been that before at Arkansas, um, and 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 because he's able to um, uh, do so much, you know, he can shoot it. He can make tough twos. He can you can put him in ball screens. He can play make for himself, or he can play make for others. He's a smart defender. Um, he plays hard. Uh, he's a great locker room glue guy. Um, while he's incredibly passionate, he's focused on winning only. And um, so he's one of – I think Chad Baker, if you were to write a list nationally of the best players in college basketball that you'd never heard of before, the Connect kid, uh, I'm pronouncing their names correctly, yes. he's at the top of everybody's list. But Chad Baker Mazar is on the list. And uh, so, yes, we uh, – I felt like we needed to, you know, change some things up, not just insert Chaney Johnson into the starting lineup because we were without Jalen Williams. But I felt there were some other things that that um, that we needed to do um, with our roster to just see if we could get to be playing a little better. Bruce, against Georgia, you guys held them – they were just 3-14 from deep, and that's kind of been a big part of their game this year. And you all have had – a bunch of games this year when y'all have been able to really affect three-point shooting. Just what do you think has been the key to that for y'all on, on that end of the floor, you know, slowing down teams that like to shoot the three and hit threes uh, at a higher rate? Well, um, when part of the success against Georgia was we shot such an incredible field goal percentage, 62% on the road, that Georgia didn't get their traditional transition. Like, Tennessee is a great defensive team. They get offense from their defense. Block shots, steals turnovers, and then they come down and shoot open threes because they, they spread it, they drive to audition. So transition, number one. Um, and we didn't give a lot of joint transition because we played so well offensively, whereas Tennessee is one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're going to get that. Um, and then, you know, we, we all – I've always been a guy that knew that the three-point shot was worth one more point than the two-point shot. Not everybody's got that figured out. Um, I figured that out a long time ago. <laughs> And so we're going to do everything we can to try to take, you know, the best play of the game are inside threes and outside threes, right, offensively. I was going to ask you about the sort of the this rivalry or I guess this series as of late. You guys have won seven of nine. The two losses are, I think, six total, six combined points, the, the two losses. What do you think it is about your system versus maybe what Rick Barnes does that allows you to be pretty pretty competitive? Yeah, no, I'd um, – these games, these games have mattered. You know, I just, I, as you guys know, history matters to me and um, trying to make history and trying to win a conference championship. I, I think we need to win at Tennessee to win it or, you know, to be in a position to win it, right? Lose your two games back. Um, you know, the league is tough, but you're still two games back with three to go. And you, you obviously need help. So, We've been in control of our own destiny all season long, and the only way we remain in control is if we can pull off the upset. Um, you know, Coach Barnes is a Hall of Fame coach, and and he continues to be as good as he always be was, or maybe better. He was, you know, Rick Barnes was one of the best young coaches in college basketball, you know, 30 years ago. He was. And now he's just one of the best coaches in college basketball, period. 
which you talked about before the Georgia game, going and actually hitting shots away from home, especially from deep. You guys did that obviously at a really high level as Georgia. You did you could you tell that the team you know gained confidence from that, and just how important is that kind of moving forward because you're going to be playing a lot of games on the road. And yeah, away from I mean, home. look, we 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 we've it's, it's it's close to March, so what you do you start talk talk telling March stories, and before the Georgia game, we told the greatest March story that. Auburn basketball has ever had was our 2019 Final Four run. What happened to that team? We always played hard, always played pretty good defense, not quite as good as this team's played, but pretty good. But we started to get hot from three and won four of our last regular season games, won the three games in the SEC tournament. We went three or four. I didn't know, we probably won four. And then we won, um, you know, four games in the NCAA tournament to sort of go win 12 games. And if you look at the three-point shooting, it's a big factor. So that's what has to happen. So that was Bruce Pearl today in his press conference uh, talking about the Auburn and Tennessee game coming up tomorrow. Had uh, had a little bit of the uh, beginning, which uh, it is what it is, but I uh, had the uh, – Comments and kind of talking about the Tennessee game coming up tomorrow, what Rick Barnes means to him, how special and good of a coach he's been for so long, and and what Auburn's got to do to go on the road tomorrow and win a game on the road again inside of Knoxville in Thompson Boeing Arena. We'll talk a whole lot more about that coming up in hour number two. Final segment of the first hour when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Got a couple of more minutes before we get into hour number two. Reminder that uh, Double D, Daryl Dapperts, will be joining us in the second hour at 315. Uh, He'll be joining us for... 30 minutes of the second hour on Tuesdays. A lot of fun with him. We've got football news to talk about. Auburn football picking up a a commitment yesterday in the class of 2025. So we get to talk about that coming up in hour number two. Also Auburn uh, basketball, of course, with the win over Georgia this weekend. And the game coming up tomorrow uh, against Tennessee. And then Auburn baseball as well. So, so many things that we get to talk about about with Double D in hour number two. We'll have a quick first segment in that hour where you can call in, be a part of the show, 334-321-1390. And that's for anything that's on your mind, anything that you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, again, the big news when it comes to Auburn basketball is the fact that Jalen Williams will be traveling. Uh, He'll be a game-time decision for, for Auburn basketball on Wednesday, that is tomorrow night. He'll be a, a game time decision. Uh, I still am on the, I'm on the side of I don't want him to play, but we can get into more of that later on. On the football side of things, really quickly, uh, Auburn football. I know it's been kind of quiet. No, it's been a little in that dead period and not a whole lot going on. Uh, you've got spring practice that begins. Today, literally today, spring practice gets underway with Hugh Freeze. He'll have his opening press conference. was supposed to be today. It's now moved to Thursday, uh, but spring practice has begun. The first viewing window will be this afternoon. Uh, I will not be able to make it with the conflicting time with the show and practice, but he uh, uh, is, is having that open up today. And right before that, 
Auburn opened up and got a commitment in the class of 2025 from Devin Williams, a top corner in the 2025 class, ranked number 113 player overall in the country. He's from Buford, Georgia, just over next door. Ranked number 113 overall, number 14 at his position at corner, and the number 18 player overall in the uh, in the state of Georgia. So, again, number 113 overall, number 14 corner in the country, and number 18 overall in the state of Georgia. Five foot ten, 165 pounds. So maybe could put on a little bit more. Not the tallest, but we've seen guys at that size be very successful as a cornerback. Um, he is very speedy, very athletic, and I think could be a, a, a big guy and a big player for this team moving forward in years to come. He chose Auburn over Alabama, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame. And so I saw a lot of people with this recruitment and many more, I'm sure, to come because he is the class of 2025. A lot of people were saying... With the uncertainty of college football and the uncertainty of college athletics, um, you just don't know if a commitment like this is set in stone until he signs pen to paper. And I get that. I absolutely get it. Until he signs, he could go anywhere. But that's always been the case, right? It's just a little bit dirtier now and a little bit more hectic because of NIL and, and everything else. So we'll see. But... As Auburn continues to surge in 2025, Devin Williams will make this team even better and this recruiting class even better. They surge towards a top 25 or a top five in 2025 for Hugh Freeze and Auburn football. A spring practice begins today. Yes, that's right. We'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. Basketball and baseball, too. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Hour number two coming up. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we are quickly into hour number two here on this Tuesday, February 27th, 2024 of the uh, show on the line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of that first hour, uh, talk some basketball in there, talk some some football commitment news in there. Uh, also, I uh, had Bruce Pearl press conference audio from in, from today in there. So, look, all sorts of good stuff in hour number one. If you missed any of it, you can go and find the podcast at ESPNAU.com. After the show today, you can find hour number one, you'll find hour number two, and you'll find all 
of the previous shows from On the Line and myself. So you can find that at our station website at ESPNAU.com. Here's what's coming up in hour number two. We've got a segment here. You can be a part of it, 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to me. Your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, anything you want to talk about on the airwaves, you can do so. And then coming up at 315, we'll have Daryl Dapperich join us on the phone lines as we will talk all things Auburn football, basketball, and baseball. Yes, we're hitting the trifecta today as we have spring football starting today for Auburn. You have basketball going on tomorrow for Auburn, and you have baseball going on today for Auburn. That's right. We're going to hit all three of them with Daryl Dapperich coming up for 30 minutes at 3.15. But until then, as I mentioned, you can be a part of it. Phone lines remain open until he joins us, 334-321-1390. And I open up this question for you, and this is a conversation we'll have. With spring practice starting today for Auburn football, it's back. Football's back. The season's not here yet, but spring football is which means we're one step closer to A-Day, which means we're one step closer to that massive transfer portal window again. And we're also closer to summer workouts, and then that means we're closer to SEC media days in Dallas, and then we're even closer, and then you have college football season with fall practice, and then the season begins. So this is step one, folks. This is step one of getting back to college football. And I know it feels like it just ended because it did, about a month ago, less than, or a little bit more than maybe. But we live and breathe college football here. We love it. And in this town and with this fan base, it is something that we are so dialed into right now because the expectations are rising, the anticipation is rising, and really... You could say the enjoyment is rising as well because of what has happened during this offseason away from the football field. And I think that the early signing day had a lot to do with that, where Hugh Freeze and Auburn had a really, really good day. You continue to bring guys in through official visits before the dead period started, right? And you just picked up a commitment yesterday, last night, with a 2025 corner out of Georgia so the momentum continues to be built there the momentum continues to roll when it comes to Auburn football and I think this is a really crucial time this is a really really crucial spring transfer portal summer fall workout fall practice and start to the season and I ultimately think that 2024 is a big big year No, I don't think Auburn has to go and win the national championship or even win the SEC because it's going to look much different. You've got Texas. You have Oklahoma. The SEC West and the East are no longer a thing. And the schedule is going to look a whole lot different for Auburn moving forward. But this is a crucial time because this could be the changing of the guard. This could be the passing of the baton. This could be the year that Auburn takes back the state, that Auburn takes back over what is theirs in college football. They could not, they're not going to become great this year, but they could take the steps this season to become great. Because year two is a crucial season 
for a new head coach of a new program. Year one, most people give you a pass. Most people give you a mulligan and give you the benefit of the doubt and and say, okay, coach, we understand. You stepped in with, with a broken roster, a torn apart roster in Auburn's case. You stepped in with a coaching staff that you pieced together with any piece of string and rocks and and gum off the bottom of your shoe that you could find in the parking lot. You put all that together and you started off okay and the end of the year was definitely not what you were looking for. You had the loss to New Mexico State. You had the Alabama game where you blew it on on 4th and 31. And then you had the bowl game where you just looked like Auburn typically does in bowl games. You lived up to the expectation there. And so there was a really bad taste in the mouth of Auburn fans postseason. But then you had the recruiting. You had a big early signing day where Auburn got almost everything they wanted. Not everything, but almost. And the momentum has continued here into February, almost March. And so you're going to have this spring with practice opening today, and we'll have media viewing windows, and we're going to get to see what's happening. We're going to get to see that quarterback battle. We're going to get to see some of those new flashy, pretty receivers that are stepping on campus. Not all of them, but a lot. You're going to get to see how people have gotten better in this short amount of time of an offseason. Because think about it this way. Auburn's season ended in late December. It's two months How much could have really happened in two months of an off-season? Not a whole lot. And so I, I come on here to tell you this. For those of you that are going to be listening to folks like me, for those of you that are going to be reading from those around town that write, for those of you that are going to buy in to every single thing you read, hear, or told from the spring, I'm going to tell you to pump the brakes a little bit. Pump the brakes here on spring on spring because we're going to get closer to a day and we'll start asking ourselves the questions what are we looking for what are the expectations should we overreact this player's going to play great this player played terrible he's going to transfer who's going to stay who's going to start we're going to start having all those conversations because that's what we do but I'm just telling you in these first couple of weeks don't buy into everything because It's going to change. It's going to change. The performance you see on February 27th in practice one is not what you're going to see come August. It's not going to be what you see and hear about workouts over the summer. And it's not going to be what you see on A-Day in just a few weeks. So I'm telling you to just see how it plays out. See how it plays out. And for Auburn, let's just see what we got. Let's see what we have coming out of last year. You've got so many position battles. You have so many things that are so up in the air with big question marks. And going into year two, which is a crucial year, that is okay. But it's time to get those things figured out. Because if you don't get them figured out right now, you're going to have to worry about it over the summer. And when you get into the fall. And possibly when you get into the season. Let's get to the phone lines here really quickly. 334-321-1390. Mark, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, Jacob. Hey, uh, spring practice, no matter what you hear or read, is similar to the senior bowl. 
you know, the the eight eight game is just a horse and pony show, and what and the details are really in the practice. That's and they're not going to come out and tell you such and such is blowing up, you know, and having you're just not going to get a whole lot of information that uh, that translates into what you see on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, perfect example. You know, every year you hear about how great players are doing in practice, but then sometimes you don't even hear from them when it's time to hit the field. Yeah. So that, that that's the way I look at spring practice. It's, you know, the, the 8-8 game is just a chance for people to come, you know, watch a little bit of football or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, because usually they don't even play football. <laughs> uh, they don't want to get anybody hurt. Right. You know, which I understand, and I don't blame them. It's just, you know, let's go out there and let's put on a little bit of a show and, uh, you know, let the people that's not going to, you know, I hate to say it, but not going to play on, or you hope they don't have to play during the fall, let mm-hmm. them have their time in front of a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right on that. And and that's the thing, too, is, you know, we get, as media, we get viewing windows, but we don't get very much. Even in the season, we don't get a ton. And that's not, the, I mean, we don't we don't deserve that. We don't, we're not privileged in that in that way. And and so they're not going to show us anything in those windows. And, and yeah, they're not going to come out and say, man, let me tell you, Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy. Let me tell you what, he threw this ball today in practice. And, man, he's probably going to be the starter. You know what I'm saying? You're right on. You're right on with yep. it, Mark. You really are. And the other thing, it's almost baseball season. The Braves are about yeah. ready to get going. Yeah, now, you got that's spring. What I'm excited about. Yeah, you got spring ball happening right now. You got uh, actually, as you said, that just got a notification. The Braves got beat by the Pirates, thirteen to four in their spring game. So there you go, Mark. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you look at him. I don't know. Has Acuna even had a hit? He's only batted like three or four times. Yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> hey, that's the same situation. Spring ball, same situation, brother. That's right. Go down there and get used to playing and live pitching. And, you know, when the lights come on, that's when it's time to shine. Yep. That's All right. right. Have a great afternoon. Thanks so much, Mark. Always great to hear from you, man. 334 321 1390. And I'll say this before we get to break. We got to get Daryl on here. Mark is exactly right. And he's, he's saying exactly what I was saying. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people write. I don't care what people think they know. They don't. And it's the spring. It's the details are in the practice, the details are in the dirty work, and the details are in the on the weight room. I don't care that somebody had a beautiful catch in practice or had a big day in a day. Doesn't really matter to me anymore. I used to get excited about it, but it just doesn't get me as excited as it used to because I've been burned way too many times. This is just about getting back in the swing of things, just like we were talking with baseball. You're just getting back into the swing of it. You're getting back in the groove, back in the routine, and figuring it all out in the spring. Let's get to our first break here in hour number two. Daryl Dapridge of Locked On Auburn, Double D, will be with us when we come back. He'll be with us for 30 minutes, excited to talk about football, basketball, baseball, all that and more. Coming up with Daryl Dapridge after this here on ESPN 1067. Are 
On the Line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. It is Tuesday around 315. You know what that means. We welcome in Daryl Dapperts, Double D, with us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You can find him on the Locked on Auburn podcast a couple of times a week. Believe we're rocking with Wednesdays and Fridays now, plus all the other radio appearances he makes because he's so famous and just so good. Daryl, great to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Man, what a great introduction. That is so hard to follow up right there. But thank you for the kind words, man. Doing well. Hope you are as well. I am, man. Doing good. And, and look, I was telling our folks before you got on here, we have a chance to talk about the big three today. Football, basketball, and baseball. All three things are in action in some way, shape, or form right now. And uh, that's exciting to me, man. That's just exciting with football for Auburn getting underway with spring practice. You have basketball coming off the win over Georgia this weekend with Tennessee coming up tomorrow and baseball with their two out of three weekend this past weekend in the game coming up tonight so it's that time man so much to get to it really is I mean it, you know I was telling somebody last weekend I think particularly last Saturday was a really good day to be an Auburn fan I mean you had the results from Rupp Arena you had Auburn playing about as well and we'll talk more about that and very underrated. We'll look at this at the end of the year and realize what a big win it was at Georgia. The baseball team absolutely boat raced, you know, Wichita State that day, and then the softball team mm-hmm. did real well in their tournament. So there was a lot going on as far as Auburn fandom, and it was just a great Saturday, man. A great Saturday to pull for Auburn. It really was. Well, let's start with the thing that is starting today, which is spring practice for Auburn football, as Hugh Freeze will open it up with his press conference coming up on Thursday. Uh, but spring practice is here. Uh, the dead period will be ending soon, and, and you've got just so many things happening with new names, new faces, and, and big expectations in year two, Daryl. What are some of those things you're looking for as we get into spring ball for Auburn football? Yeah, it's always fun to kind of dive into what the questions are that you go into spring with and then come out of spring with. And I think the first thing that pops into my mind is, you know, Hugh Freeze declaring that there will be a quarterback battle. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to see if that comes to fruition. Not that I don't believe what Hugh Freeze says. Of course I do. But I really want to see if that is the case. Is there a battle? Is Hank Brown and Holden Gurner and Walker White going to run some with the ones, the offensive line that I think everybody expects to be the starting offensive line, some of the receivers that I think Auburn fans are going to be excited to see that probably are going to get starts that are new faces. You know, with Jarquez Hunter being the backfield? That's how you'll know if Hank Brown and Walker White and Gurner get some snaps with those guys. And I think, I think that's the biggest question mark. And then I think from another question mark from the offensive side of the ball is, just how many of these new receivers are going to acclimate themselves, and you'll look out there and see them getting a ton of reps. you got Bryce Kane and Cam Coleman on campus now. You're waiting on Perry Thompson and Malcolm Simmons not till the fall. Obviously, those two will, I think, go ahead because they're on campus. Caleb Burton, Jay Fair, some of the guys that are coming back, Cam Brown. How will the new guys kind of interact and interweave with uh, the guys that are existing that are that are coming back to veterans. I think that's a really big uh, question mark or bullet point. And then to me, the the depth on the offensive line. I think we all really know, like I previously mentioned, who 
The starters are going to be at the offensive line, but who are the backups? Mm-hmm. Who goes too deep along the Auburn front, and how long has it been since Auburn could say they really had a legitimate competitive too deep around the, along the offensive line? I think that's something to uh, look forward to. Well, man, Daryl, I mean, we've been so concerned about getting a legitimate starting five up front, nevertheless trying to get some depth up there. Well, you've got experience. Here's the thing. Think about this. If Tate Johnson's your backup center, he's played there, right? Mm-hmm. If Muskrat is your backup guard or offensive line lineman, he's played there. Uh, this this Wilford kid that came from Snow Junior College has played a lot of college football. Um, you know, uh, Dylan Senda, who I'm very high on, that came from Northwestern. People are talking about him. Now, he hasn't had any reps in college, but I think he was slotted to be a guy that was, if he would have stayed at Northwestern, that was going to contribute early. Um so there's some guys that, that normally, you know, that, that could play, that could come right in and, and play and, and be, you know, legitimate backups or get rotations as you're trying to build depth and keep people fresh. Um, that's a nice problem to have, and it's one that I don't – it's been a long time since Auburn could really go legitimately too deep. I'm not saying there wouldn't be some drop-off, Jacob, but I think it's not going to be as – is is apparent as it would have been, let's say, three years ago or two years ago, uh, when Auburn was patchworking an offensive line. Yeah, and, and I think the bigger key there too, Daryl, is that Auburn will have some depth, and not only will there be hopefully not much drop off, but you're not having to play the same five or six guys every single snap of every single game, and by the end of the year, they're just dead. They're just worn out. They can't hang in the SEC for that long. Nobody can. Well, I think it's important if you go with a true two deep and you're not rotating different combinations, then you can create continuity. Yeah. Meaning if there's a five, and this is what I think. I mean, I, I think it's Wade, Miller, Connor Liu, uh, uh, Jeremiah Wright, and why am I drawing a blank on the other offensive lineman? Help me out here. Wade, oh, uh, Lou, uh, Lewis yeah. from uh, Percy Lewis from Mississippi mm-hmm. State. So I think that's your five, and I think it's a really good five. If you can keep them together on the field at the same time, and then when you try to provide depth or try to provide a break, throw three or four offensive linemen or five out there at the same time so you're not mix-matching, where sometimes that creates a chemistry problem, that's where you see lines of scrimmage getting taken over because people are staying together. They develop chemistry, continuity. Now, if you have an injury, you can't help it. you got to plug and play. But like a guy like Muskrat, in my opinion, is very valuable. Don't sleep on DeAndre Carter either. Me and Zach had a real long conversation about that. He's six six three fifty. I've seen him at some publications, the incoming freshman from Modern Day High School, listing him as an offensive tackle. I've seen some listing him as a guard. That's very similar to Muskrat and Dylan Wade. And I think it's kind of the 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 uh, you know the way the motive and the way that Auburn recruits offensive linemen now mm. is they look at versatility and hybrid guys that can play both spots inside and outside interior and outside and carter is that guy that could step in i think and get to the two deep he's like i said six five three fifty comes from a program like img that's just borderline right below the college level it's, yeah. a, it's a very much enhanced high school team 
Yeah, and I want to I want to clarify this too for a lot of listeners. This is not Auburn recruiting like they were back in the day with Gus Malzahn where he'd go after athletes and try to make them into a receiver or a defensive back or whatever. This is offensive linemen that have played offensive line. They may just be moved to a different spot within that five-man rotation. Right, hybrid meaning can he play center? Yes. Can he play guard? Yes. Exactly. You know, and or 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 in the case of Muskrat and Carter and and Wade, Dylan Wade, can he play guard and tackle? Meaning, you just can move different spots up and down the offensive line. And if you look at guys that get to the NFL and teams that are really successful that have really good offensive lines in the NFL, you'll get a guy that like gets hurt. At center, and they'll slide a guard over. They'll just move him over. Center. I mean, so that's that's important. Now, in this scenario, maybe it's Tate Johnson, but Tate Johnson, I've heard Hugh Freeze is very high on him to play guard or center. He could do both. Hmm. Um, that's man, that that is a huge advantage to have. Which Auburn just hasn't had in so long, man. And like I said, it's been it's been a struggle just to get a legitimate starting five, much less guys that can play numerous spots and and guys that could come off the bench and fill in that for that offensive line as well. So that's something to keep an eye on for for spring ball. And and Daryl, you were talking much more about the offense with those receivers. Some of them here, some of them will continue to come through over the summer. And you're gonna continue, I think, to see and hear about all the different work between all the different quarterbacks and all the different receivers yeah and I wouldn't be surprised if another receiver pops during the at the end of spring for the portal I would not be shocked hey if somebody pops and and Auburn goes after a more veteran outside guy um that you know could come in and play uh, after spring closes and the portal opens back up I love Robert Lewis I think he's very underrated I think that people are going to love him Auburn fans are going to love him with Burton, and then you know the freshman studs, but I, I just have you know I just feel like Auburn will get one more because remember they lost a lot of dudes. Yes, they did. Room. A lot of guys left, and I know you know you got Sam Jackson from Cal, but he seems to be more of a slot gadget guy. But I, I wouldn't sleep on him either. I, I could be wrong, and we could be having this conversation in November, and I will call myself out and say you're an idiot, Daryl. I just have a good sneaky feeling about him. A Taysom, a Taysom Hill type feeling there, Daryl. Uh, yeah, but and I think it's the connection. I think it's the chemistry that him and Peyton Thorne already have. Yeah, I don't think there was a real go-to guy other than Fairweather towards the end of the year where Peyton Thorne felt like, okay, I'm going to throw it. His, I, I just, I don't know, and I could just, it could just be because it's spring fever, but I have a feeling that that Sam Jackson is going to contribute more than he is getting. I guess recognized for on some of these preseason publications where they rate when they rate transfer portal guys. Mm-hmm. I saw them with my own eyes watching every bit of that Cal game, and I know one thing: I know Cal's offense looked completely different when he came in the game. Now they still didn't score more than ten points, but they moved the ball. And if their center could snap any better, it you know it's just there were issues. But he looked dynamic to me, athletic wise and speed wise. So I'm very excited to see him play probably more than most. I like it, man. I like it. Auburn's going to have options, and we'll see what they do in the portal window as well as spring ball underway as of today. We're talking with Daryl Dapridge, who is on Locked on Auburn, the podcast with Zach Blackerby. We'll talk baseball and basketball when we come back. Daryl, hang on with us. He'll be with us after this on ESPN 106.7.
on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. 30 minutes left in the show, but about 15 more minutes left with Daryl Dappert, who is on Locked on Auburn a couple of times a week, makes other radio appearances around town as well. Daryl, let everybody know where they can find you and keep up with everything you're doing, man. Sure. Uh, Wednesdays and Fridays on Locked on Auburn with our good friend Zach Blackerby. Uh, that drops at 7 a.m. on YouTube and then on wherever you get your all your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, that kind of thing. And then we're on, after every Auburn basketball game live, the Auburn postcast, they call it, uh, we'll be on tomorrow night after the Tennessee game. And we go live as soon as it hits triple zeros. And then I'm with Ben Taylor Monday mornings at 7.10 bright and early on WANI and then with my good friend Jacob. Uh, 3.15 to 3.45 with you every Tuesday, except for a couple. Well, I still will be. We'll be pre-recording some stuff mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with the Auburn. Uh, not next week because there's no spring practice. We'll be doing it as normal. But uh, when spring practice resumes and I go cover that, we'll be doing some pre-recorded stuff. Yes, we will. And, hey, just a heads up for you, uh, come Monday morning, I'm actually going to be hosting Auburn Opelika this morning while Ben will be out of town. So I get to talk to you again on Monday morning too, Daryl. Man, that's exciting stuff right there. That is good <laughs> stuff. We get to talk twice. We, talk, we get to talk three times in six days. Man, isn't that something? Man. Isn't that something? And that's just on the yeah. air, folks. That doesn't count how much we talk off the air, too. So There you go. That's Amen. right. Well, hey, man, there's lots of basketball I want to get to, but before we do that, let's talk some baseball because mm-hmm. Auburn baseball back in action tonight, hosting Sanford. Uh, as long as the weather holds up here in Auburn, kind of windy, kind of gray skies. I haven't checked the forecast for tonight, but hopefully it holds off. Um, Auburn hosting Sanford tonight at uh, Plainsman Park, but This past weekend, it was a big weekend for Auburn, and they had to deal with this kind of weather crap pretty much the whole time, and Friday was a disaster. Saturday's game time got moved, and I think it sort of threw off the weekend, but it seemed like Auburn held their own, took down Iowa, blasted Wichita State, and then just came up a little bit short against Virginia. Yeah, you know, I'm really high on this team, and I think me and you talked about it last week, and we talked about it the week before when we did a little like preview, and I think what We've seen, we kind of thought the big boys, the Stanfields, the, you know, the Bobby Pierce, Cooper McMurray, some of the pitching with, with Alsup and, uh, Gonzalez. You know, we kind of knew Cooper Weiss, we, the, the people that were there, but Carson Myers, the left-hander that Auburn got from UAB has been a nice addition. Uh, didn't get the win, you know, obviously <clears throat> Sunday, but Derek Fabian, the transfer from Florida. Who plays third? Who plays infield? Plays some third base. Plays some other places. Has been really a, a pleasant surprise as well. And then of course, you know, we know what we have in Ike Irish. He's mm-hmm. like a major league hitter already, as far as swing approach at the plate, everything. So I really, I, I'm shocked that I know Virginia was ranked higher than Auburn. I love the battle. I love the way they came back. I think this team now, of course, the SC, <coughs> excuse me, the SEC is a gauntlet, and it's going to be very hard. But when you look around the league, Auburn really doesn't have that bad loss. Ole Miss has had a couple bad losses. They lost to Hawaii and someone else. Mississippi State lost to Austin P. LSU's lost to some people. It's like we talked about. You know that's why tonight is dangerous. Yes, for Auburn because when you, in baseball, when you play these mid majors, they throw their best arm one night. It just takes one night, one game. Uh, if they've got an elite starter, so I don't know who Sanford's throwing tonight. 
Uh, it'll be similar to what I think the UAB game was last week. Auburn came out on top. It'll be interesting. I'm really curious to see how Auburn bounces back tonight after, you know, the game Sunday. Because um, these mid-majors, man, these midweek games, they just – its in my opinion, it's lose-lose for the power schools. Mm-hmm. Because if you win, you're expected to win. Unless you play a lot of young guys and you throw a guy that you normally wouldn't throw on your weekend series. If you lose, it's embarrassing. And it shouldn't be. It should not be because baseball is the great equalizer when it comes to power five conferences and mid-majors. It really is. And, I mean, Coastal Carolina, for the love of God, won the College World Series a couple of years ago out of the Sun Belt. <laughs> I mean, that, that, yeah. Think about that. Think of Coastal Carolina getting into the college football playoff and winning. I know. I know. You know, think of Coastal Carolina winning the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, it would, it would, it would ruffle some feathers, I think. Yeah, and it's hard to do. I know we've had a couple get to the Final Four, the Butlers and some of those others, but um, anyway, it is what it is. But I think tonight, you know, it'll be interesting to watch Auburn bounce back and and uh, see how they respond to their first loss that they got Sunday against Virginia. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier talking about the Sanford game because you and I had brought it up a week ago when we were talking about, yeah, when you play Sanford, no, you get no love for winning, but you get all the hate for losing. And, yeah. you know, and you mentioned, you know, well, what if they, what if Auburn were to play or any, you know, major SEC conference team? What if they do play a bunch of young guys and start somebody in his first college start, whatever? Well, that may show up in the game notes and in the box score, but doesn't show up on just a score, a score that somebody's scrolling through on the website on Auburn's schedule. So people don't dive into it that deep most of the time, Daryl. No, I mean, we, we, we see that basketball, um, Raiders and and uh, bracketologists dang sure don't dive deep into it. I don't think they watch some of the games. We'll talk about that. But the the problem with like losing a game like this tonight, if if that was to happen, is that I think it hurts you NCAA seeding time, tournament time, and they look at bad losses, good wins, that kind of thing. And Auburn has a good enough team to not only host a regional, but I think host a super regional, depending on what happens in the SEC. I think they're that good, and I think that they're pitching. You know, you get Gonzo going again like he did a couple years ago. Uh, and this Carson Myers, who's a crafty lefty, I think that especially as a Sunday starter where you're going for that sweep or – look, here's the thing about Sunday. It's the most important day in the series, and I know people talk about Friday night starter and all that. One of three scenarios are happening on Sunday. You're either trying to not get swept, you're either trying to win the rubber game, or you're trying to sweep your opponent. All three of those things – supersede anything else that happens on a Friday or Saturday, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So a guy like Carson Meyer starting on a Sunday is very, very key and a nice luxury to have for Auburn. I like that. I like the way you put that. As we're talking baseball, switching into basketball with Daryl Dapridge here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Daryl, I've been telling the people, but they need to hear it from you as well. Tell them why Saturday was such a big win for Auburn basketball as a ranked team on the road at a feisty Georgia team in Athens. It's one of those wins that are going to be under the radar, and people that don't know basketball and people that don't follow basketball that just look at box scores and records will say, well, Auburn should have won. But if you dig a little deeper, Georgia's much improved. Stegman Coliseum gave Alabama fits, Florida fits. A lot of schools went in there, Georgia Tech. A lot of schools went in there and struggled to come out of there with a W, and Auburn wins by 20. On top of that, you're playing that game for the first time without arguably your second-best player. And in a place where even really, really good Auburn teams 
the final four team, it took Achuma Kiki three to win. Yep. The, the team that was ranked number one a couple years ago with Jabari and Kessler almost gets beat. Remember, the guy missed a shot at the yep. buzzer or whatever, yep. and, and, and Auburn won by one. It's not an easy place to play, it's, and it hasn't been an easy place for Auburn traditionally. So for Auburn to come out and shoot the basketball the way they did, for Cheney Johnson and Chad Baker Mazzara and you know Aiden Holloway to play the way they did and step up and say, okay, we got to find scoring somewhere else, and those guys did exactly what they're supposed to, I'm telling you, it's games like this that can propel you, regardless of what happens tomorrow night, it can propel you when you get into the postseason because once Williams does come back, Jalen comes back healthy, now you've got a guy like Chaney Johnson that says, oh, I can do this. I scored 16 on the road against Georgia. I can handle this SEC. And confidence is dangerous when you start getting in depth. Now, I suspect as we get into the SEC tournament, that the bench will shorten a little bit. And I think we've seen that already a little bit with Moore, uh, Chris Moore, and I think with Leor Berman, who although has come in and give Auburn good minutes. I think Chad Baker-Mazar is going to get some of Moore's minutes, even more of those. As he should. Pardon the pun. Yeah, and I think that Cheney Johnson is going to get more minutes. Even even with Jalen Williams healthy, you're still talking about someone coming back from a knee injury. Mm-hmm. I, think his William, I think Williams' minutes go from – where they were like 28, 31, 32 early in the year to around 20 or 22 to keep that knee healthy. And now you can afford to do that with the way Cheney Johnson's been playing. With the three guys that you mentioned that really did step up on Saturday in Athens, Aiden Holloway, Cheney Johnson, and Chad Baker Mazzara, Daryl, in your opinion, which one is the most important for them to have had a good game on Saturday and should and that Auburn will need to have good games moving forward? Aiden Holloway. I know people would say it's Cheney because he's filling in for an injured player, but at some point Jalen Williams is going to get back. And, it, and at another point we were hoping that the real Aiden Holloway came back. Yeah, And that's what you, you need to get him back to what he was. And I think one game does not a comeback make. But I think that if he can put two or three together and play like he did, I'll put it to you this way. You get Jalen Williams back healthy contributing. If Cheney Johnson gives you – just productive minutes off the bench. I'm talking about eight points, five rebounds, That's you know, that it. kind of thing. Yep. And Aiden Holloway plays like he did in the first ten games of this season. This is an elite eight team. Period. They are. Okay. If, if those things happen, okay. of course, the other guys have to. You know, Broom has to hold hold court, and 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 Denver Jones has been playing better. Hits three big threes, and KD going crazy off the bench. But I'm telling you, this team will really, in my opinion, go as far. No matter how good Broom is or Jalen Williams is, it's a guard-centric tournament, and you've got to hit shots. And Aiden Holloway hitting five threes, if he plays like that and plays to the level he played in the first first part of the season, this team is definitely a contender to get out of the second weekend. Everybody's had a differing opinion on this, Daryl, and I'm really excited to get your thoughts on this. Auburn now moving. Because of all the results that happened over the weekend, Auburn is right there in the hunt for the SEC regular season championship, and many people think that tomorrow night could be the game that decides that, given how all the other teams play and finish down the stretch. What is Daryl Dapperich's starting five head coach for for Auburn walking into Thompson Bowling Arena tomorrow? What is your starting five at tip-off? Aiden Holloway at the point, Denver Jones at the two, Chad Baker Mazar at the three, Cheney at the four, and Broom at the five. Okay. I like it. You're starting Aiden Holloway, then you put him back in there, huh? Yeah. Oh, I, how can you not? I mean, he responded. 
You put it, Bruce injected him into the starting lineup to do just that, to get him going and to give him his confidence. If he does that, you cannot afford to pull him back out after he showed you what he showed you. You just can't. Yeah, I like it. I'm with you on that. I think he, because you, you said that, you know, confidence is a dangerous thing. And, and for a guy like him who was one of the best shooters in high school, Daryl, one of the best shooters coming out of high school, just hasn't had it this year, but all it takes is a spark. And maybe that's what he had on Saturday against and Georgia. Mechanics. He cleaned up his mechanics. Yes. That's why Auburn not having a shooting coach, a true guy that's on the staff that you hire from the NBA, or when we talked about Adam Harrington may have been that guy. That's why a shooting coach is so important because they can sometimes break down your fundamentals and catch things that no one else can catch, slight little nuances. He looked different to me Saturday with his mechanics shooting the basketball, other than the one-legged shot that he hit that was a three-pointer that was off balance. <laughs> Everything else, his, he was square. His feet were square. His shoulders were square. And you can talk about confidence, but you do have to have the physical mechanics of shooting the basketball. You can sometimes go away from those. And it, it helps to get reminded and get right back where you need to as far as shooting form. He looked different to me Saturday shooting the basketball. Well, it's like your golf swing sometimes, right, Daryl? If you get out of mechanics, it doesn't matter how confident you are, you're never going to put it down the middle. Well, yeah, and my golf swing and my golf mechanics are so freaking consistent. <laughs> Consistently sucky, but they're consistent. <laughs> my, yes. my swing, the worst thing you could ever do is play baseball and then play golf. Like, take up baseball oh, yeah. all your life. And then try to take golf after take up golf after college after you've played baseball for all those years because it's just tough. Yeah, it's pe- really hard. People think the swing will it, it'll convert. Oh, I'll just you know I'll just angle it down forty five degrees. Uh uh-uh. uh, it it doesn't work. We believe can't me. Be Charlie Five and Ben Taylor. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Our sweet pretty PGA tours at bunkers that place that you know that's a the great place. We all can't be that. I mean, those jokers, you know. They they got just naturally beautiful swings. It's what happens. It's what happens when you play five times a week, Daryl. Some of us got to work true. around here. Yeah, that's true. When you're out there more than you are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, Auburn basketball at Tennessee tomorrow, and again, there are there's just so many factors there. There's so many things on the line for that game tomorrow in Knoxville. What does Auburn have to do to win? And do you think the winner will claim the SEC regular season title by the end of it? I do. I think tomorrow night is your pre-facto uh, SEC championship game wow. for, to, to see who's going to determine who's going to win the regular season. I think for Auburn to have any chance to win the league, if they win that game tomorrow night and then take care of business down the stretch, they can win. I think if, if Tennessee wins, they'll outlast Alabama and win. Auburn has played Tennessee the last 10 times. They're 7-3, and three, including two wins at the Food Lion Center, whatever that's called now. They've <laughs> lost their last two in Knoxville, but it was very close, very close. And, and they were a Wendell Green foul call away last year from tying it up. I think Auburn can win at Tennessee tomorrow. I think it's going to have to be a situation where Connect is going to have to be in control. I think you, you're going to have to – Denver Jones is going to have to lock down uh, Vescovy. If Auburn can do that, if Denver Jones can keep Vescovy in check and Auburn puts a – legitimate defender on connect and they keep it in the 60s auburn has a chance to win daryl dapper it's double d with us every tuesday 315 to around 345 we always say that's a floating time we tend to go long when we get in conversations daryl but it's so much fun we always enjoy it plug everything one more time before we let you get out of here wednesdays and fridays locked on auburn with zach blackerby monday mornings ben taylor at wani and then every postcast 
after every Auburn basketball game live. And we'll be Zach and I in a couple weeks. We'll be doing some some shows from spring practice. Uh, we'll be reporting. We'll be doing some shows from out there on location. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great week, Daryl. We'll talk to you All next right, Tuesday. Have a good one, and I will talk to you Monday. Oh, Monday. That's right. <laughs> yes, on News Talk WA and I. Thanks so much, Daryl. That is. Double D, Daryl Dapperts with me every single Tuesday. Man, just a, a wonderful guy, wonderful friend, and we thank him so much for his time and his insight, man. He's entertaining, he's knowledgeable, great friend, even better person, and we appreciate him being with us every single Tuesday for 30 minutes in hour number two. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it all up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down on what's been a really good Tuesday show, man. It flies by. No matter what's going on, it's always good to get in the studio and talk to you guys. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for uh, for being here. Whether you are an everydayer here for every single show, every single day for two hours, whether you're in and out of the car, in and out of the office, in and out of the shop, or just tuning in at the end, I don't care. I appreciate you being here. And, um, and look, we're having a lot of fun, and we're getting into some really fun times with college football with spring practice starting for Auburn you've got the last few college basketball games of the regular season baseball getting into it I mean what more could you ask for man it is it's a fun time of year and I appreciate you being here for all of today's show if you missed any of it though you can be sure to catch up with the podcast you can find it at espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcasts we've talked Auburn basketball today. We've talked a little SEC basketball today. Had Bruce Pearl's press conference from earlier this afternoon on the show. And we just got off the phone with Daryl Dapperich, who joins us every Tuesday. We talked all the big three. We talked football, basketball, and baseball. So uh, that was a lot of fun with him. He had some great things to say and gave his big-time prediction for the game tonight and what he thinks will happen to the winner of the game tonight. So you can find that in the podcast version at ESPNAU.com. Here's what's coming up on tomorrow's show. It'll be Uncle T-Bone back in the studio with me. Believe we're going to have Jordan Hill if he survived that honeymoon of his after getting married. So we'll have him on the show, get caught up on all things Georgia athletics with basketball, baseball, and football spring practice in Athens as well. So that'll be on the show tomorrow, reacting to uh, the games in college basketball tonight and previewing Auburn and Tennessee tomorrow night. We'll recap the Auburn baseball game after hopefully a win tonight at Plainsman Park. We gave away some tickets yesterday and today, so thank you so much for uh, being here and, and being a listener. We love rewarding you guys for uh, being loyal to ESPN 106.7. Auburn and Sanford tonight, I think the Tigers will be fine. I think they will take care of business. Hopefully the weather holds off and they can get that game in over at Plainsman Park you look around college basketball and nothing super crazy but the game of the night six o'clock on ESPN number 16 Kentucky on the road at Mississippi State in the hump that is a massive game for both squads Kentucky's rolling right now they're not going to win the SEC but they continue to stack wins they continue to build momentum and after that one loss with LSU they've beaten Ole Miss Auburn and Bama so they're trying to overcome that loss on the road at LSU this is a much better team than LSU I think I think Mississippi State time in and time out is a better team 
than LSU. So how does Kentucky respond? Coming off a big win over Alabama, they could use another good win on the road. The Dogs, on the other hand, this would put them in the tournament. This would put them in the tournament and lock them into the tournament. We'll see what happens tonight. I'll have my eyes on that one. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Auburn baseball tomorrow and preview Auburn basketball on the road at Tennessee. All that will be on the Wednesday edition of On the Line from 2 to 4 right here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.